Reading this morning will be taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. Appreciate the time that we've been able to spend in worship. If you saw our scripture reading just a moment ago, I think it's, it shows that I am capable of having short scripture readings. Uh, but a powerful verse there in Ephesians chapter 1 that communicates what we're going to be talking about today. As we begin, I want to show you five different pictures of five different objects that I would say you're familiar with. These might even be things that you use every single day. All that I want you to do is identify them. In your mind, as you see the picture, I want you to identify what it is. should be pretty simple, right? Here's picture number one. This one might be a little bit easier than the rest. Does anybody know what that is? It's a pencil. What about this second picture? Does anybody know what this second picture is? It's a razor. What about the third picture? I hope that you use that this morning because it's a toothbrush. What about the fourth picture? Does anybody know what that is? It's the, a tomato. <laughs> it's the cap of a Coca-Cola bottle. So close. Tomato is close. Here's the fifth picture. Does anybody know what that is? It's an Oreo. Favorite dessert, right? How'd you do? Some of you did pretty well, but if you're like me, the first time that I saw these pictures, then you probably didn't do so well. Maybe you were able to get a couple of them, maybe you were able to get three of them, but chances are you probably didn't get all of them. Why didn't you get all of them? You know what they are. You've seen them before, perhaps you use them every day. Why weren't you able to identify them just right off? Well, it's because the picture was zoomed in too much. Because the picture was zoomed in too much, you weren't able to see the whole picture. But whenever you were able to see the whole picture, when the picture zoomed out, you were able to tell what it was with no problem whatsoever. Sometimes in order to know what we're looking at, we need to zoom out and we need to take a look at the whole picture. That's kind of what we're going to be doing this morning. This morning we're going to be thinking about a very important question. It's the question that you see on the screen behind me. What is forgiveness? As we consider that question, and as we answer that question from the Bible, instead of zeroing in and zooming in on one specific passage like we oftentimes do, I want us to take some time this morning to zoom out. To see the whole picture. When we think about how God interacts with us, what is forgiveness? If you were to define that word, what definition would you give? There are some words out there, specifically words in the Bible, we know what they mean, but sometimes they're really difficult to define. We know what they mean, but sometimes they're really difficult to put into words. How would you put this one into words? What is forgiveness? As we think about that question, I hope that you'll take some time to think about your life. As we see what the Bible has to say, as we zoom out and we look at the whole picture of what the Bible has to say about forgiveness, I hope that you'll think about you. I hope this will encourage us to, number one, appreciate God's forgiveness. 
God has given to us as Christians the greatest gift that has ever been given, and that is His forgiveness. The fact that He is willing to forgive us of our sins. So this morning, I hope that we can appreciate God's forgiveness. I hope that we can stand in awe of God's forgiveness. I hope that we can see what a blessing it is in our lives. But then number two, I also want us to learn to embrace God's forgiveness. For instance, there might be some people here this morning who have never made the decision to become a Christian. You've never made the decision to be baptized into Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. What would it look like for you to embrace God's forgiveness in your life? How would that change your life? How would that transform your life? Or maybe there are some here who have made the decision to become a Christian. You have been immersed into Christ, but you're not living faithfully to that commitment. What would it look like for you to embrace the continual cleansing that the blood of Jesus Christ provides to us? Or maybe you are living faithfully as a Christian. I would say that's the majority of the people who we have here this morning. You're living faithfully as a Christian and you've surrendered your entire life to Jesus, but yet you still struggle with guilt. Sins you committed months ago, sins you committed years ago, continue to weigh on your shoulders and they continue to be a burden in your life. What would it look like for you to not just appreciate God's forgiveness, but to embrace God's forgiveness in your life? What is forgiveness? Let's zoom out and let's see the whole picture. Number one, according to Scripture, forgiveness is a canceling. According to Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 12, forgiveness is God canceling the debt that we owe Him. When you look at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, you find what I believe to be the greatest sermon to ever be preached. It was a sermon that was preached by our Lord Jesus. We oftentimes call it the Sermon on the Mount. There's a section in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15, where Jesus talks about prayer. And as he talks about prayer, if you go back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, he's talking about how we should not practice our righteousness to be seen by others. And so he says when you pray, it shouldn't be about offering these long elaborate prayers so that people will look at you and think what a religious person you are. You shouldn't pray to draw honor or attention or glory to yourself. Instead, whenever we pray, Jesus gives us an example of what it should look like. We sometimes call it the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've even committed that prayer to memory. It's a very popular section of Scripture. But notice just one verse within that prayer. This model prayer that Jesus offers for us in Matthew 6 and verse 12, He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. According to that verse, how does Jesus identify our sins? What kind of situation does our sins place us in? While there are a lot of things that we could pull out of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12 and that prayer as a whole, notice that Jesus identifies our sins as a debt that we owe to God. Because we have committed sin, because we've chosen to rebel against God, because we have made horrible, sinful decisions that have broken God's law and broken God's heart, we owe Him a tremendous debt. We know what it means to be in debt, don't we? Chances are you've had to go in debt at least at one time in your life if you're an adult. 
Maybe you had to go in debt to buy your house. Maybe you had to go in debt to buy your car. If you have a credit card, then you go into debt every single month until you pay it off at the end of the month. What does it mean to go in debt? Whenever you have debt, that means you owe a certain amount of money to a group of people or to a person specifically. And if you don't pay back that money by the time you're supposed to, there are going to be some very serious consequences. And so when Jesus talks about our sin, He talks about the great debt that we owe to God. Well, if we owe a debt to God, let's just pay it back. Let's pay God back what we owe so that we can be even with Him, we can be square, and both of us can go our separate directions, right? Just pay it back if you owe it. It's not the way that it works, is it? Because of the sins that we've committed, we owe a debt to God that we cannot possibly repay. Regardless of how hard we work, regardless of how good we think we are, regardless of how much effort we might put in, we owe a debt to God because of our sins that we cannot repay on our own. So have we put ourselves in a hopeless situation? Now look at the request that Jesus makes in Matthew the 6th chapter. He says, forgive us our debts. He wouldn't make that request. He wouldn't instruct us to make that request if it wasn't possible. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is God completely canceling the debt that we owe Him. Forgiveness is God completely and utterly canceling the tremendous debt that we owe to Him as a result of our sin. Whenever God forgives us, it's not that He reduces our debt. It's not that He reduces our debt by 10% or 50% or even 90% and we have to pay back the rest to Him. No, when God forgives us, He completely cancels the insurmountable debt that we owe to Him. He cancels a debt that we cannot pay back. Number one, forgiveness is a canceling. Number two, forgiveness is an erasing. According to Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4, forgiveness is God erasing the sins that we've committed. If you go to Psalm 130 and you begin looking at verse number 3, the psalmist asks a question. He says in verse 3, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Maybe you've seen a cartoon or a TV show or a movie where one of the main characters is in jail. And as they're sitting in jail, maybe they've grown out a really long beard, and as it pans to the walls of their cell, there's all kinds of tally marks. Why are those tally marks there? It's marking the number of days that that person has been in jail, and perhaps the number of days until they get out of jail. Every single day that passes becomes a tally mark on the wall. I think that's a pretty accurate way of thinking about how God has kept an account of our sins. Before forgiveness takes place, every time that we sin, God puts a little tally mark on the wall. Before forgiveness takes place, God has this long record. He has this long list of every sin that we've ever committed. Think about it. Every sinful word that's ever come out of your mouth. Every sinful thought that's crossed your mind. Every sinful thing that you've ever done, God has written down, He's kept a record of, He's put a little tally mark on the wall, and the question that the psalmist asks is, since God does that, since He marks our iniquities, who can stand before Him? Who can survive in His presence? What's the answer to that question? Well, I can because I'm so good. No, the answer is nobody. 
What does Romans 3 and verse 23 say? You know that verse, don't you? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You go to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, and then again in verse 10. It's something he wants to emphasize to us. If we say we have no sin, then what? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we, have, if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and we make God out to be a liar. We've all chosen to rebel against God. We've all made horrible decisions in our past. And before forgiveness takes place, it's all written down on a list. It's all kept in a file. Every time that we sin, another tally mark is written on the wall. But then look at verse 4. Verse 4 begins with the word but. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Who could survive in His presence? Nobody could. But, in contrast to that, with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is God erasing all of the tally marks on the wall that number the sins that I've committed. Forgiveness is God taking the list that details every wrong thing that I've ever done, said, or thought, ripping it up and throwing it in the garbage can. When God forgives us, He forgives us completely. And I hope that's something that we're going to see this morning as we go through this study. Whenever God forgives us, He doesn't keep a copy of those sins just in case He needs to throw it in our face in the future. He doesn't keep a copy of our sins in His back pocket so that He can pull it out at any time. No, whenever God forgives us, He erases all of those tally marks that He's written down. Whenever God forgives us, He erases the record of sin that He has against us. Number two, forgiveness is in erasing. Number three, according to Jeremiah 31 and 34, forgiveness is a forgetting. Forgiveness is God forgetting the sins that we have committed. When you go to Jeremiah 31 and you back up to verse 31, God makes a beautiful promise, a promise that has made a difference in every single one of our lives. He promises to make a new covenant with His people. If you fast forward to Hebrews chapter 8, the Hebrew writer actually quotes that passage from Jeremiah 31, and he says the new covenant that was predicted in Jeremiah 31 is the covenant that Jesus has established in His blood. It's a better covenant that's built upon better promises. And so when you read through this passage in Jeremiah the 31st chapter, he's talking about how this new covenant is going to be different than the old covenant. This new covenant that God is going to establish in the blood of Jesus, that He has established in the blood of Jesus, is going to be different from the old covenant that was built upon the law of Moses in a lot of different ways. He notes one of the differences in verse 34. A beautiful promise, a part of a better covenant, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. Do we ever struggle with our memories? I read a story about an elderly couple where both the husband and wife were having problems remembering things. They were having such a problem that they decided to go to the doctor one morning and the doctor suggested he gave some advice that they should start writing things down. He gave them a notepad that kind of looks like this one and he said, whenever you want to remember something, write it down so that you can keep it in front of you. A little bit later that night, that same night, the husband and wife were sitting in the living room watching TV. 
The husband got up out of his recliner and took a few steps towards the kitchen. The wife said, hey, where are you going? He said, I'm going into the kitchen. Do you think that you could get me a big bowl of vanilla ice cream with whipped cream and chocolate syrup and a cherry on top? He said, yeah, sure, I can get that for you, no problem. So he took a couple more steps towards the kitchen and she stopped him. Hold, hold on just a second. Don't you need to write that down? You know what the doctor said this morning. If you, if you don't write it down, you're going to forget it. He said, no, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll go in there and fix it and I'll be right back. It was about 15 or 20 minutes later, the husband came back into the living room with a plate full of bacon and scrambled eggs. He sat it down in his wife's lap. She looked at the plate, looked back up at her husband, did that a couple more times, and eventually she said, honey, I can't believe it. You forgot my toast. Sometimes we struggle with our memories just a little bit, don't we? But when we go to Jeremiah 31, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness, according to what God says, this is coming out of God's mouth. God says forgiveness is me remembering your sins no more. And that's not because God has a problem with His memory. God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. He's not forgetting our sins like we would forget to do something a week from now if we don't write it down. No, God chooses to forget our sins. Whenever God forgives us, He's omniscient. He can limit Himself in this way. When God, to for, when God chooses to forgive us, He chooses to remove our sins from His mind as if they never even happened in the first place. So what does that practically mean in our lives? Like we said a few minutes ago, sometimes as Christians we hold on to our sins, don't we? We still feel guilty about things that we've done in the past. They continue to weigh on our shoulders. And because of that, we pray about the same sin, asking for forgiveness time after time after time after time. Have you ever done that? Do you know how God responds to those prayers? He responds by saying, what sin? God, I know this is the tenth time that I've asked you to forgive me of this sin, but I just still feel so guilty about it. Would you forgive me of what I did several months ago? God responds by saying, what sin? I don't even know what you're talking about. Because when God forgives us, He forgets our sin. He purposely and willfully removes it from His mind. And it's as if those sins never even happened in the first place. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? What an awesome God we serve. Number four, forgiveness is a cleansing. When you go to Isaiah 1 or Revelation chapter 7, forgiveness is God cleansing us of our sin. Speaking primarily to the southern kingdom of Judah, in Isaiah 1 and verse 18, God says, come now, let us reason together. It's like sitting down at a round table. He says, let's sit down and let's talk about this. Let's think through this together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. What do our sins do to us according to Isaiah chapter 1? It's kind of like going to a Mexican restaurant with your favorite white shirt on. Probably not a good idea. Because if you're like me, you're going to be digging into the chips and salsa with both hands. You end up overloading one of the chips and what happens? Salsa falls on the white shirt and it's going to leave a nice red stain, isn't it? You've been there, haven't you? That's exactly what our sins do to us. Our sins make us dirty. 
Our sins make us filthy. Our sins stain us. Our sins leave, according to Isaiah 1, they leave scarlet crimson stains on our souls. Notice that crimson is associated with sin here, just as a side note. I don't know what that means for Alabama fans, but uh, we'll, move, we'll, we'll move past that. Our sins stain us. What does God promise to do? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though your sins are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. God doesn't deny that sin is there. God doesn't deny that sin stains us like sometimes we want to deny. God does not deny that those stains run deep. But what He does do is He promises to cleanse them. I'll take those crimson, red, scarlet stains that you've put on your own soul and I will cleanse them how? With the blood of My Son. That's what we find in Revelation 7 in verse number 14. A description of those who decide to faithfully follow Jesus. John is told these are the ones who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We already did this a few moments ago in the Lord's Supper. But pause for just a second to consider what our Lord was willing to do for us. He was willing to suffer. He was willing to be tortured. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was crucified. He hung on the cross for six hours. And He shed His precious blood. Why? So that we can take the robes that we have stained, wash them in His blood, and make them white as snow. He shed His blood so that we can be cleansed. If you were to go home this afternoon and you were to try to wash something in blood, good luck with that. Because you're going to ruin whatever you're trying to wash. Usually blood is what stains. The blood of Jesus isn't like that. The blood of Jesus doesn't stain. The blood of Jesus removes our guilty stains. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a cleansing. And then we find number five, forgiveness is a casting. When you go to Psalm 103 or Micah chapter 7, forgiveness is God casting our sins far away from us. From kindergarten to eighth grade, I went to the same small elementary school, public elementary school in Wilson County, Tennessee, called Tucker's Crossroads. It was so small that we struggled to have a football team. The middle school was so small, a lot of people would try out for basketball, not a lot of people tried out for football. So I remember one time in seventh grade, the PE teacher, who was also the head football coach, he took us outside one afternoon and made us do all kinds of football drills. He was trying to create interest in joining the football team. One of the drills he had us do is each person walked up and picked up the football and they tried to throw it as far as they possibly could. The seventh grader who won that competition, he tried to convince to be the quarterback next season. You see, that's how that worked, and that arrangement didn't quite work out. But I think that's a good illustration of what God does with our sin. God walks up to us, He picks up our sin, and when He forgives us, He throws it as far as He possibly can. How far do you think God can throw? 
We find an answer to that in Psalm chapter 103 and verse number 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. That's a beautiful statement. And it's so amazing that it's almost hard to describe. It's almost hard to put into words. See, if you were to start traveling west right now, and you were to go directly west, you would never come to a point where you couldn't go west any longer. You would circle all the way around the globe until ultimately you got to the place that you started at. The same is true with going east. If you were to travel east, you'd never come to a point where you couldn't travel east. You'd circle all the way around the globe and come back to the point where you started and you could take another lap if you want to. You could always go east. You could always go west. How far does God cast our sins from us? How far does He separate our sins from us? Okay, you go as far as to the east as you want to go. God's going to take your sin and throw it as far west as it possibly can go. It's an infinite amount of distance. You go as far to the west as you want to go, and God's going to take your sin and throw it as far as He possibly can to the east. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. There's a similar thought in Micah chapter 7 and verse 19, towards the very end of that verse, where He says, You, God, will cast how much? Some of our sins... The majority of our sins, 99.9% of our sins, no, you will cast all our sins, he says, into the depths of the sea. Did you know on average, the ocean is about 2.3 miles deep? That's driving from here to where Leslie and I live. About 2.3 miles, that's how deep the ocean is on average. At its deepest point, the depths of the sea that that Micah's talking about here, it's seven miles deep. What does God do with our sin whenever He forgives us? He takes our sin, He throws it as far as He possibly can, and where does it land? It lands in the deepest part of the ocean. Guess what? You don't have to deal with it anymore. That sin no longer has dominion over your life. You're no longer a slave to the sins that you've committed. You don't have to keep on feeling guilty. You don't have to keep on beating yourself up whenever God forgives you of your sin because He takes it and He casts it as far as He can. It lands in the deepest part of the ocean. It goes seven miles underneath the ocean and it's no longer on your plate. It no longer weighs on your shoulders. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a casting. God casting our sins far away from us? It's an important question. It's a question that we need to spend some time thinking about. It's a question that changes and transforms our lives. It's a question that once we see the answer in Scripture, it should cause us to fall down on our knees. It should cause us to cry out in gratitude. To tell God how thankful we are that He was willing to forgive us of the sins that we've committed. God took care of our sin problem. But we shouldn't just appreciate it. We should also learn to embrace it. God has forgiven me. Therefore, I have to learn to forgive myself. My sin no longer has dominion over me. And it's not about anything that I've done, but it's about what God has done for me through the blood of Jesus. The fact that God has canceled your debt. You owe 
a debt to God that you can't repay. And when He forgives, He completely cancels that debt. It's God erasing your sin. Throwing away the record. Erasing the tally marks. God forgetting your sin. Saying, I will remember your sins no more. It's a cleansing where all of the guilty stains are done away with. It's a casting where God takes your sin and separates it from you as far as He possibly can. What is forgiveness? Well, ultimately, whenever we think about that question, I think the answer that we have to come back to is that forgiveness is what we need. There are a lot of different things that we need in life, but at the very top of that list should be the forgiveness that God offers us. The forgiveness that He extends to us through the blood of Jesus. We have all sinned. We have all broken God's heart and broken His law by our own rebellious decisions. Therefore, forgiveness is what we all stand in need of. And so a question to consider this morning, are you a Christian? Have you made the decision to dedicate your life to Jesus and to have your sins forgiven? Because if you haven't, God wants you to know that what we've seen from Scripture this morning, He offers to you. He's ready to give that to you. He wants to give that to you. And Peter tells you how you can access it. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't made that decision, don't put it off any longer. If your sins haven't been forgiven, if you've never surrendered all to King Jesus, then make that decision this morning. There's no reason to wait on that. And then, maybe we need to ask, are you a faithful Christian? Are you living faithfully to Jesus? In answering that question, 1 John 1 and verse 7 is a very important verse to consider. Where John says, if we walk in the light as He's in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Here's the good news for faithful Christians. If you're walking in the light, if you're doing all that you can to be like Jesus, if your life is not about you, but it's all about Him, then the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing you of your sin. You have a continual cleansing in the precious blood of Christ, but what if you're not? What if you're not walking in the light and instead you're choosing to walk in darkness? What if you're making the decision to continue to live in rebellion against God, to continue to live in your sin? The blood of Jesus is not going to continually cleanse you of your sin. So if you find yourself in that situation, why not rededicate yourself to that this morning? Why not say, Jesus, I want You to cleanse my sin And because I'm so thankful, because I'm so grateful, because I'm embracing You, I'm going to do all that I can to serve You on a daily basis. You have the opportunity to come back to that this morning. It goes back to our Scripture reading. Just one verse. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In Him. There are two kinds of people. There are those who are in Jesus, and there are those who are outside of Jesus. Those who are outside of Jesus... You can't claim what's written in this verse. But if you're inside of Jesus this morning, notice what you have. We have redemption. How do we have it? Through our own goodness, our own law-keeping. I earn God's forgiveness and so He forgives me. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. This is what we have in Jesus. This is what is offered in Jesus. 
Is this what you have in Jesus? Have your sins been forgiven this morning? And if they haven't, what are you going to do about it? God is ready to forgive. He's ready to cleanse. He's ready to cast. Will you respond to Him? As together we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Always nervous about touching that microphone. I want to welcome everyone again this morning to our services here at Seven Oaks. We had 156 in attendance for Bible class this morning, 221 for our morning worship. I want to invite you back tonight at 6 p.m. for our evening assembly and on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for midweek Bible study. I have quite a few announcements this morning, so please bear with me. Uh, on our prayer list, Francis Bennett is at Parkview Rehab in Paducah after having a pacemaker put in. Tega Jones is at home recovering from a surgery that she had to uh, remove her appendix. We want to keep Tega in our prayers. Also, Jenny Sue Wilson is at home from the hospital. I'm glad to have Everett and Maddie with us this morning. Uh, but she is doing uh, some better, still kind of weak, and recovering at home. 
Also, I want to give an update on Tyler's mother, uh, Kim Alverson. She will begin chemotherapy treatments next week, May the 3rd. And they have received back a test that uh, confirmed that she has the more aggressive type of cancer. And so in addition to chemotherapy, she's also going to be receiving a clinical trial drug. And all these treatments will be taking place at Vanderbilt. So we want to keep Kim and Tyler and the rest of that family in our prayers. We do rejoice with Gracie Schlatterer. Uh, she was baptized into Christ on Wednesday night, and so we're certainly uh, pleased in that decision and glad to have uh, her uh, part of the family here at, at, at Seven Oaks. Under other activities, this afternoon is the Bible Bowl at Glendale Road. We have 10 young men and women going to compete in that. Uh, Jason Weston Tidwell, Noah Wilson, Sadie Mayhem, Millie Parker, Callan Mayhan, Max Parker, Cam Kirschbaum, Maddie Parker and Max Mahan, and Max is also fresh off of his first ever win, first ever race in the Enduro Derby last night in Marion, Kentucky, so Max is having a big weekend. Those of you that have picked up disaster relief uh, follow-up sheets, please turn those back in as soon as possible. There will be a teen devotional next Sunday evening, that's May the 1st, uh, after our evening assemblies. Uh, 2022 high school graduates, we need approximately 20 to 30 pictures from you to put in a slideshow for our Senior Recognition Day. That day will be on May the 15th. Uh, parents can send those pictures digitally either to myself or to Tyler. Uh, the list of graduating seniors is available this morning. It's out at the forest. If you picked one up, grab a pencil off the back of the chair in front of you because I misspelled a name when I gave it to Tyler. Tyler printed it. But Neely Jackson, Neely is N-E-A-L-E-Y, so my apologies. I, I made an error. My wife pointed that out to me this morning. And so uh, please correct that, and I'll have it fixed on the future uh, notification, so I apologize. But that will be May the 15th, our Senior Recognition Day. Also, the sign-up for our summer series is on the volunteer table, and that will be running from June through August. And the adults will be studying the parables of Jesus on Wednesday nights. If you'd like to speak, it is first come, first serve, so please sign up for that over here on the volunteer table. Those are all the announcements that I have this morning. I think Joel has dismissal prayer. Usually when Joel comes down, I assume an announcement is coming. So those are all the announcements this morning. At this time, if you would, please be standing, and Joel will come and dismiss us in prayer. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for this time we've had to be here together this morning. We pray that the things that we've said and done here have been in accordance with your will and pleasing in your sight. Father, we pray for all those that are on our list. We thank you for those that have been able to go home, and we pray for those that are still undergoing medical procedures, that the best outcome will be for them and their families. Father, we thank you for the message that Tyler gave us this morning. And we pray and thank you for the forgiveness that you give us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.